This is Notable Nerds, a pro nerd report podcast where we introduce you to really cool nerds who are doing really cool things. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my goal is to highlight nerdy, talented people who are killing it in the world. In each episode, we will hear their origin story, and they will impart a bit of advice and wisdom to others who might be looking to get in their industry or just learn something new. Without further ado, thank you for joining us, and now let's meet today's Notable Nerd. Hey, it's your boy Sebastian. Just wanted to give you a heads up that this episode of Notable Nerds was recorded before I changed the podcast name from The Pro Nerd Report to Notable Nerds. Notable Nerds is a podcast under the Pro Nerd Report brand. Just wanted to let you know so you didn't think you were listening to the wrong show. That said, thank you and enjoy. Coming up on today's show, the founder and CEO of Game Gym, Josh Hafkin, joins the show to talk about the positive impact of video games, the current landscape of esports, and how you can get involved in esports. All this and more on this episode of The Pro Nerd Report. Topic number one. Ladies and gentlemen, The Pro Nerd Report has a very special guest today. It is the founder and CEO of Game Gym, Jim Hafkin. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm very excited to be here and, uh, and talk about all things nerdy. Oh, man, we're glad to have you. So before we start, we have a segment called Putting You on the Spot. And I have to ask you, based on your area of expertise with video games, what are your favorite video games of all time? Top five. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go old school. I'm not that old, like but I'm going to go older older school. So I'm going to do Zelda Ocarina of Time, just a, a, a wonderful classic. Okay. Um, I, the, the first game that I really played, like really like full all the way through, was Pokemon Red, uh, or it was actually Pokemon Blue, like the original like Red and Blue game. So like those ones on my Game Boy, that was pretty dope. Um, I'm I feeling think- it. I think GoldenEye on N64 is really an all-time classic and one that I feel like if they poured it on the Switch, they would make a billion dollars for people buying. Um, Mario Kart, kind of any version, just that franchise is amazing. Okay. Um, and then I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Street Fighter and, and specifically Street Fighter Four. Um, there's arguments to be made about different Street Fighters, but that was the one that I kind of like invested more time in and, and fell in love in and i got a i got a street fighter tattoo here for oh that's dope know, my my love of, of of you know what it what it uh you know has opened up for me so before we dive into the show i just want to elaborate real quick you have to be like a late 80s early 90s kid because that was like straight my childhood that you just listed up right there and i'm 31 oh, yeah. so i'm like yep. he he had to be in my same <laughs> age group right there Exactly, man. I'm 34, so not too okay. much older than you. But yeah, okay. I grew up during a, a really. We grew up during a really sweet, sweet spot in gaming, and you know, I feel like it was a lot of those like Goldeneye cart on on N64. I remember having so much fun with my friends in the living room. I remember watching too, and not necessarily always having to play to be entertained by video games, which is like kind of one of those first kinds of of me spectating and really enjoying as well. Um, Yeah, man. So great, great memories for growing up. 
That's a solid list because like you were going one by one by one. I was like, okay, that's my childhood. That's my childhood. That's my childhood. Okay, that's a solid list. So for the listeners, tell us more about Game Jam. Yeah, so Game Jam is an education, training, and broadcast center based out of Rockville, Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C. And our whole thing is kind of bringing a holistic gaming and competition message to, you know, and experiences to our community. So we have three key programs that we we, uh, have and drive forward. We have our camps program, which uh, is, you know, a a really robust summer camps program. We have multiple locations. We do things online. We do things live. um, And we're expanding uh, up and down the East Coast with that program, which is really cool. Um, We have our Mid-Atlantic Esports Conference, which is 16 D.C., Maryland, and Virginia-based universities that battle it out in a variety of different esports in the fall and the spring. Um, You can check out all the member schools at maec.gg. It's awesome. They're they're really cool. And we're like one of the first kind of um, regional esports conferences that has existed to support an esports ecosystem. and so that's that's a, a program that we drive forward and that we're, you know, me as, a, as an athlete, I'm incredibly proud of, um, you know, because I feel like we give a, a, we're giving a great service to those students. Um, and then the last thing is content. We do a lot of content and educational content, training content, um, and, and a, a bunch of original content. And uh, so we're all just trying to always create. So those are the three things that kind of Game Gym does, among uh, probably a bunch of other things. That sounds amazing, and I'm glad you're giving a platform to other people, especially like the e- in the esports category. So, can you elaborate on the games that y'all play at the conferences? Yeah. So this season we're gonna have four different games that that the colleges are competing in. Um, we're gonna be competing in Valorant, Overwatch, uh, Rocket League, and League of Legends. And um, I'm incredibly proud to say that our conference is part of Riot's CLOL. So for, for those of you who don't know at home, Riot Games owns, owns League of Legends. And they have a collegiate championship. And our conference champion, the person who comes out of our conference, gets an automatic bid to the CLOL championship. And so um, it, it you know, speaks very highly to the caliber of, of esports athletes in our conference and, you know, uh, you know, really validating of the MAAC and our organization that Riot has, you know, selected us to be a partner conference for, for Collegiate League of Legends. So, um, you know, I, I think that what we're building here is, you know, based on three things. It's build it based on creating local competition opportunities for our colleges that are establishing esports programs. It's about highlighting high school esports talent so that they can be, you know, found and, and you know, hopefully move up the, the line where there's scholarship opportunities and, and other opportunities in esports, both locally and nationally. Um, and then the last piece of the puzzle was creating opportunities for graduating juniors and seniors to you know, have career fairs and opportunities both locally and nationally to help those esports athletes matriculate, you know, beyond college. And so those are the three goals that we set out to, you know, you know, strive for with the MAAC. 
And uh, and I'm incredibly proud to say that, you know, I think we do a really great job and, and there's definitely things that we can work on, but um, we're always, you know, each season, this is our fourth season, each season I think we're improving and, and getting better at, at what we do. And so that's all you can ask for. That's really cool. So how does one get involved in that? Say like one kid out of, out of high school or like a young adult in college, say they want to be a part of the eSports conference. How do they get involved? Yeah, so, you know, it's just like traditional sports in that sense. So you, if you are at a college campus right now, you probably have either a club or an official esports organization. You can apply and, and try out, you know, just like you would for soccer or basketball. And those organizations, you know, come together to, to compete as a conference. So what I would say is look locally. Like that's the coolest thing about esports, I think, is that for so long, it's been this digital thing. Mm-hmm. And now we have an opportunity to bring it back local. And it used to be local. Like, if you think about it, arcades were a place where we all came together to play games. And then, you know, as you and I grew up, it kind of like arcades got a little seedy. They weren't as like fun. I remember, like, I feel like 70s, 80s, they were kind of a little bit more fun and innocent. And then like late 80s, 90s, it became a little darker. And like, it, it wasn't as fun at the arcade yeah for sure and so at least in our area like i'm sure there were amazing arcades like that that weren't like that but no but i got that vibe too especially growing up it started to have like a shift in tone so to speak yeah exactly and and now i think the opportunity is how can we you know you know have bring this digital world and, and still connect with each other locally and so you know are there local teams that you can join um, do you have a local collegiate esports team that you can root for? Uh, there are pro uh, esports teams that are either housed in specific cities, like we've got a number of pro esports teams in Washington D.C., and some are actually like geolocated, like we've got the Washington Justice and Wizards District Gaming, who are two D.C.-based professional esports organizations. But there's also other organizations that are doing things around esports or around gaming that it's that are really, really cool. And this is going on in every single community. So whether you're in Atlanta, you in Dallas, or me in DC, or Boston, like there's very, very cool, you know, gaming and esports scenes that have events, um, local rivalries. There's definitely Super Smash Brothers locals that are mm-hmm. taking place on most days in, in, you know, most markets. And so, you know, to me, the, the thing that I would say to those people is, you know, I feel like a lot of people try to find their crew online, but like your crew, find your crew live. Like there's people in your neighborhood, in your backyard, in your community who are either playing esports, competing in esports, or passionate about esports. And if you put out some feelers, you can you can create that community. And that's kind of what I want to do with esports in my community. Okay. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, swimming at at like the local community pool and I played on the local community soccer team and I played, you know, rec ball. And so it was all very tied to the community. And so my sports experience was tied to the community and that made it very positive. I want to create that same experience for esports and gaming. And I think that that's like one of the things that we need in this world is better onboarding of kids into this world. You know, we don't just like throw kids into anything, but like for gaming, for some reason, we're like, yeah, you do this or go into the basement. I don't want to, you know, or our parents just are unequipped to like help their kids actually navigate this world. So, um, 
you know, I think that there's a lot of um, what I really wanted to do is take, you know, some of the, the things that have worked for traditional sports mm-hmm. and apply them to this world of, of gaming and esports and hopefully help kids and parents, you know, navigate this kind of pain point. That sounds really cool. So a question. So what games would you recommend like kids really good good at? Do you think that like different conferences play different games or do they usually just play the four that you listed? So uh, a variety of different games are listed. And, and you know, I said, you know, to, to, to anybody you know, playing or competing, you got to play a, a variety of different games. Mm-hmm. It's good to have variants, you know, even if you're an amazing Overwatch player, you got to switch things up. You can't just play Overwatch all day or whatever it is. Um, but the, the, the games that are big in college, and, and it depends on, you know, what are your goals? Do you want to be the best of your friends? Do you want to see if you could potentially play in college? Do you just want to be, you know, have a, a, a competitive outlet and like, you know, get better, but you're not really too worried about like when, you know, mm-hmm. or like going to a competition. There's different avenues for different people. There's you know, private lessons. There's there's training aids. There's different work if you're really trying to improve to compete. Uh, there's community things and, uh, and workshops and kind of more casual stuff if you're just trying to like get better at your own speed. Um, but I think that like the best thing to do is like ask yourself, what do I want to get out of this? And then you know there's there's probably a more clear path for you from there. That sounds amazing. So that's a really cool roadmap that you just listed out. I want to ask though, when you, how does a college become involved in a conference? Yeah. So the, the coolest thing about the MAAC, and I can't speak for other conferences. I can mm-hmm. only speak for the one that we run, but the, the coolest thing about the MAAC is that it came to be because this is what the schools wanted. We started the conference because we held exploratory Zoom call meetings with college esports directors. And we hopped on these calls. We, I think we had maybe three or four. And we mm-hmm. called them and said, you know, what, how best can Game Gym, how best can Events DC, who's our partner in the MAC, um, how best can we serve the local collegiate community? And from there, we, you know, did those three objectives of, avenues for high school students, avenues for college seniors, and then local competition opportunities were were brought up, and then we were able to create that for the community. So, you know, this was really built for the schools, by the schools, with the schools, and I think that, that you know, it's probably pretty unique in, in how we did it. So do you feel like the universities, or do you feel like esports are getting bigger in universities, or do you feel like it's smaller campuses and smaller like colleges as well or do you feel like this is going to slowly just start with like the big 10 so to speak or like the bigger you know conferences or do you feel like this will also trickle down to like private smaller universities yeah great great question and and it's really interesting because we're seeing it from top to bottom Mm-hmm. You're seeing big universities make big investments. Ohio State spent millions of dollars building a facility as well as uh, building it, you know, putting together an esports major. Uh, they're giving out scholarships. So there's programs like that. University of Utah, um, big universities are, are, you know, establishing big programs. Um, I know NC State down in North Carolina just uh, announced a $16 million esports 
investment that they're putting into that ecosystem. And I know UNC, uh, my alma mater, is looking at esports medicine and, and, and data and, and understanding things from uh, a scientific point of view. Um, and then there's private schools that are trying to separate themselves and they're looking at esports as an avenue to attract, you know, young students, smart students. And so it's really interesting. We're seeing them do things like start an esports organization and then add a game design major or a cybersecurity major or, you know, link it to some kind of STEM uh, opportunity. And I think that that's really smart because, you know, these esports kids that we're bringing in have affinity for technology. And, mm-hmm. and you know, now you're able to couple an esport, maybe an esports minor with a cybersecurity major. And you're coming out of college like with some pretty good opportunities ahead of you. That's really cool. So based on what you were telling me just now, it seems like there's a lot of avenues for young kids to really explore and maybe find themselves in the esports world, especially in the on the collegiate level. Do you also feel like there's room for the kids to get endorsed or also room for like kids to become pop culture superstars, sort of like Zion Williamson did in basketball? Oh, totally. And we're already seeing it. Like every kid has a favorite YouTuber, favorite streamer, you know, favorite gamer. And I think that, you know, it's, it's you know, we used to grow up and, and I want to be an NBA player and, and mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, you used to grow up and want to be those things. And now kids grow up and want to be YouTube players, you know, YouTubers and things like that. And I think that what I think is important, and especially if you're a parent, you know, um, a kid starting a YouTube channel and investing in that is actually something that's going to teach them a lot of skills. You know, it's going to teach them you have to create content on a a regular cadence to keep up a following. You have to commit to creating. You have to adapt. You have to, you know, be disciplined in a lot of ways to manage or run a great YouTube, you know, channel or series or things like that. And so, you know, I think that, um, that, you know, we're seeing a lot of, of, you know, um, I want to be a YouTube star someday. And that's mm-hmm. great. But most kids aren't going to do that. Most kids are just normal kids and they'll all find jobs doing other things. But it doesn't mean that their love of gaming or starting a YouTube channel, like if you're a parent at home, yeah, why not? Like let your kid, you know, think he's going to be a YouTube star for, you know, a number of years and, and maybe he makes it and maybe he doesn't in the same way that we do. Um, you know, we let kids, you know, think that they're going to go to the NBA until they're 19 or 20 and then, you know, reality hits. And so, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing with this world is just kind of normalizing it a little bit more and kind of treating it like we do everything else. Okay. So let's talk about some of the resources Game Gym offers. So can you elaborate on some of those? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things is that throughout all of our programs, what we really do is we try to think of you and the gamer holistically. So, you know, we are really concerned about, like, making sure that we treat the whole person. Um, and that's like, not treat, but, you know, we um, are going to help you be a better gamer. But we're also going to talk about the importance of good sleep. We're going to talk about the importance of balance. Um, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, you have to have other hobbies. And gaming is great, but you got to pick up other things. You have to have balance in your life. You have to have other things that, that kind of um, help give you something 
to, to, to take you out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I love music. I'm a big music uh, guy. And I think that like anybody, if you think about it, doing this on the keyboard is the same as this on a guitar. And, you know, you're working on your, your practice as you take a break from gaming. Um, so, you know, those are the things that, that are kind of the, the, the core of everything that we do. Treating the, the, the gamer as a person. Um, you know, talking about healthy gaming habits, that you need to find a stopping point, that you need to, you know, uh, have balance in your life. So those are the things that we, you know, kind of teach. And then we've got, you know, full, full day summer camps. We've got individual private lessons. We do uh, sporadic kind of workshops on different things. Um, and then the, the, the content that we put out through our Discord and um, the other uh, like YouTube and other sources, um, that's kind of the other uh, arm that we have where we're really trying to push that, you know, uh, game differently message. Okay. So let's talk about the inspiration behind Game Gym. What got you started with this? Yeah, so, you know, it was kind of two things. Um, I was trying to get better at Street Fighter. I was, like, (laughs) trying to grind. And no joke, like, I did a Google search, and the only place I could find was this guy's basement in Northwest D.C. where they held, like, Street Fighter weeklies that, like, you could go. And, like, it was pretty intimidating. Like, I didn't, like, you know, it it was, you know rolling into somebody else's basement or you don't know like and like you know so there was there was me wanting to get better and then there was me realizing that like we need to teach kids how to do this better hold on before you elaborate like how did the basement story go how did that that transpire you can't just you can't just bring that up and just skip past it i saw it and i was like that's an option and i was like i'm not gonna do that it was, it was like, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm sure it would have been fine. And I'm sure they all would have been nice, wonderful people. But like, it just, I just didn't, it didn't seem like a thing that I, I was going to make myself do. Uh, no, it almost seems like, you know, like the candy in <laughs> the candy um in the van kind, kind of scenario where they were luring you in with basically like, hey, you can play yep. Street Fighter in my basement. Maybe, maybe. It's probably a good thing I didn't explore it. But, you know, generally, no, most people are good. Most people are good. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, um, you know, it was, it was, it was that, you know, and then at the same time, like, you know, I, I know that kids and parents are like pulling their hair out with this thing and no one is onboarding kids. Like, think about it. You and I and our generation, we, we were just thrown into this and and there was generally like, you know, some, you know, parents leaned in and like played games with their kid. But yeah. a lot of people either said, put it in the basement and like, I'm not going to deal with it mm-hmm. or you can't game. Like it's not going to be, we're not gaming. like in the same way that parents say like, no screen time. Oh, we don't, we don't do screen time. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, so the issue is the last, what we're seeing now is the last 20 years of us not be like abandoning our responsibility of teaching that generation. Mm-hmm. Like this thing came to be and parents either didn't want to deal with it or didn't know how to. And so they did. And we're the result of that. Some of us figured it out and like ended up okay. And some of us didn't. And like, 
we need to teach kids about this world because it's complex. It can be dangerous. It has addictive qualities to it. Um, and also it can be wonderful and, and a joyous place as well. And so like the, the two biggest things missing from kids, you know, learning how to game are structure and coaching or structure and kind of like supervision. And like those two things are core. Like imagine if we taught kids football by just having them watch football and then without a coach be like, okay, go out there and like play football. Oh, it'd be terrible. They would terrible. kill each other. Yeah, they, they would be terrible. No one would know whatever. They'd be arguing because there's no adult in the room and there's no structure to what they're doing. And that's what we're the equivalent of what's going on with like parents and video games now is that we're just throwing our kids out there and like being like, well, I hope that the game is okay. And like, you know, it's a tough situation for parents to be in. And so, like, Game Gym is here, and, and our goal is to educate kids and educate parents on how games are built, how they can be addicted, how you can find balance in your life and also game, and be a resource for parents. So, like, if you're a parent listening at home, like, we're here to help. Ask us questions. Shoot me an email. Reach out to me on Twitter. I would love to help because I know that this is a tough thing to do. So you mentioned some of the gaming addictions. Can you elaborate more on some of the dangers that are associated with gaming today? Sure. Um, so I don't necessarily think that there's a, a gaming addiction in, mm-hmm. in terms of, of like, I think it's more of a byproduct of something else. I think that like you have uh, addictive tendencies and this is, you know, uh, you know, an avenue that you choose. Mm-hmm. Or you're having a tough time in life, and so you escape to this world. I don't necessarily think it's it's the, the, the games themselves. You know, they are built to be addictive in a yeah. way. But I think that like it's more about we need to treat the person, and it's not as much about the games. Um, I'm right so there with you. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. and so like you know, gaming addiction happens when your balance your life is out of balance when you don't find value from things outside of the game and mm-hmm. so that's what we're really about like coming to to be together you know um, having people that you know about that you're there who care about you who you know will ask you you know that was the thing like when when i was swimming or playing soccer like you show up and like if you're in a bad mood your coach takes you aside and said like hey you know, hey man, like, are you doing okay? And you have an opportunity. Maybe you don't take it, but you have an opportunity to be like, oh, coach, I had a really rough day, blah, blah, blah. And like, that you don't get in this gaming world. You know, you don't get those moments to, to like, you know, mentor. Um, so, so what's it like mentoring these young adults and young kids? It's amazing. It's the best because, you know, all of a sudden there's this thing that, that they, you know, have been told is either bad or, or, know doesn't have value and now all of a sudden somebody says it has value it's a cool thing but we're going to add some structure to it and it's like you know honestly it's a good thing it's like it's like when you train a puppy and Mm -hmm. like the training's tough but the relationship afterwards is like so great and valuable that it's like worth it yeah that's how parents need to think about kids and gaming and like when you get your kid a pc for the first time or a console you need to treat it like a puppy. Like you can't like 
leave your puppy in the living room by itself for hours and hours because it'll get into trouble. In the same way, you can't leave your kid in the basement with that new Xbox or that new PC for hours and hours. <laughs> they got into trouble. So, it's all about you know, moderation, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's about it's about treating things appropriately. Like I said, like we don't let kids, you know, do things by themselves a lot of time. Why do we let them navigate this world without any guidance? Yeah, that makes complete sense. So you obviously have been working with a lot of young adults and kids regard with Game Jam. What have you been playing yourself? Have you gotten any gaming time yourself? Yeah, I go through phases. Uh, I play Smash competitively. Okay. I uh, so I enter tournaments. We we had an amazing tournament that we ran called Flex that we ran for it was like thirty six straight tournaments before COVID shut us down and then we lost our venue. So. That was a bummer, but yeah, big, big competitive Smash guy. Were you um, playing played, um, melee, um, brawl, or ultimate Smash? Uh, ultimate, ultimate okay. was the, the the new one. But I started, I started with with Smash Four. Okay, which, uh, you know, it was pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll play some Apex and stuff like that. But you know, what I've really been trying to do is find some games that are less competitive and less stressful. Okay, I, I feel like a lot of the games that I try to play, I like try to get better at. So they're more work. It's hard mm-hmm. to kind of vibe, you know, with some, I need a little bit more relaxing. Relaxation so there. I'm yeah. looking for that. You know. So what do you game on though? I have a PC and I have a switch. Okay. Okay. So, um, do you, for your PC, do you mostly game on steam or Epic or do you use like Xbox game pass? Yeah. I bounce around. I usually just download the client. So I've got like origin, I've got, you know, Epic game launcher. I got, you know, uh, battle net and all that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I also, have a, I also have a steam account that I, I play on. So I'll bounce around and, and generally like I'll find, follow whatever our kids are doing. Like if, if our kids are playing, you know, a certain game, we'll, we'll hop in there and, and I'm down to play whatever. Okay. So you mentioned you have a switch. Do you still like handheld gaming today? Oh yeah. I'm a huge fan, and, and I almost, I, I miss, I was thinking about getting a, a Nintendo uh, a, a DS, because mm-hmm. I miss, I miss even smaller, like, I miss my Game Boy, like, I really liked the Game Boy. It felt more intimate. And it was, it was just, you could toss in your pocket, like, I can't mm-hmm. toss my Switch in my pocket, although I love my Switch, I think it's an incredible gaming console, and the versatility is incredible, um, but, I, you know, the next thing on my list is probably a, a Nintendo DS. Okay, I can feel that. I can feel that. I think for me, I pre-ordered the Steam Deck, which is like the Steam version, oh, nice. the Steam handle. Oh, yeah, yeah. haven't quite got it yet. Uh, uh, they said it'll be Q4, so any any day now. But That's great. Um, but yeah. Do you know Mighty Keith? He did a great video about the, the Steam Deck. Yeah, yeah, he's very funny. He yeah, is did you see funny. the Steam Deck one? That one is mm-hmm. great. Where so Nintendo good. was reacting to the Steam yeah, Deck news. Yeah, yeah, Send out the ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. He's one amazing. of my favorite content creators right now. Me too, man. Me too. Yeah, so. Going back to the esports, though. How do you feel about the state of esports today? Um, you know, it's interesting. It, it's There's been a reckoning lately in terms of, you know, dollars and investment dollars. The recessions kind of made everybody tighten their belts. And there was a lot of money that flowed into esports. In a lot of different ways that um, you know was was not necessarily uh, well intentioned all the time. It was it was very money money grabby. 
Mm-hmm. And so now what we're seeing is kind of a writing of the ship in a lot of ways. And the organizations that come out of this are going to be leaner. They're going to be, um, you know, uh, more efficient. And hopefully they're going to be the right ones that we're doing things the right ways. Um, so, you know, esports going forward, I see a lot of opportunity at the collegiate level where it's going to absolutely just expand and, and explode. I see a lot of, of, of uh, opportunity at the high school level where it's just going to explode. And, um, you know, the pro scene, I mean, the pro, like League of Legends is the biggest game in the world and it's like 11 or 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think about it. Like the, the, the NBA has to exist. Like first the NBA was grown men playing basketball. People were playing basketball in college. Like, it, you know, you have to establish the pro scene and then everything else kind of trickles down. And our pro scene is barely established. So, you know, the status of, of, you know, esports is that it's this like, it's this, it's this like building, you know, made of scaffolding that like, we're <laughs> trying to build up, but like it's on shaky ground. And like every once in a while, like somebody's going to like rip out like a, a beam and everybody's going to be like, Oh, is the thing going over? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's really what esports is. It's a, it's a lot of us walking on tight ropes as we try to like build this, this like amazing scene for our communities. And, um, and it's awesome, but it's, it's stressful. So you, do you feel like it's still in the infancy stage, like as a sport as a whole, or do you feel like it's starting to advance and become more of like a predominant sport? I know it's not like, it's not like the big three in America, which is like baseball, basketball, football, you know, but yeah. it is recognizable. You know, when people hear esports, they do know what it means now versus like 10 years ago that, that wasn't quite that recognition wasn't there. Yeah. Totally. And the pandemic really helped, too, when sports were shut down and kind of people looked at video games in a different light um, during those couple of years. Um, but I think, you know, esports are esports are deceiving in a way mm-hmm. um, because you can get a lot of eyeballs and a lot of impressions digitally, which, you know, means something. But people are still trying to like figure out necessarily what it converts to. And then and then. What we do and what happens is is esports fills up a stadium once or twice a year and we take a bunch of photos and, and everybody takes photos of it and then you're like, oh my god, esports is huge. But esports really needs to be thought of more like minor league baseball. Okay. Where, like it's a professional thing, it should be taken seriously. But in terms of like the fandom and, and the way you interact with your community, it's very small crews doing a lot, trying to do everything they can to like bring the, the community in together. And so like, you know, I see it being very similar to minor league baseball in that sense. And then, you know, every once in a while you have like a championship and you fill up a stadium and like, that's awesome. So mm-hmm. The main thing, and like what I was talking about with that reckoning, is that for a long time we've been selling esports as a major league sport, and what's what what we're seeing is that it's it's very much like minor league baseball. You know, we are we've built the first floor of, of, of this ten floor building, and you know it it will be tall, but like we just built the first floor. Okay, so let's pivot for a little bit because I want to like I want to elaborate on that, but in a different direction. I have a, I'm a sports guy as well. Like I'm a nerdy guy, but I'm also a sports guy. You're a sports guy. So 
let's pivot to like the sports centric version of esports because I have a theory in sports right now that a sport is only as big as a superstar. You know, like in boxing right now, that you can't really list a whole lot of boxers unless you're like really ingrained into the sport. But it's not mainstream right now because there's no one to gravitate. There's no Mike Tyson. There's no Holyfield. There's nothing. No one of that notoriety. And UFC, you know, everyone knows Conor McGregor. Like you hear that, you know, you associate immediately. That's UFC stuff. But without Conor McGregor, you you have to really be ingrained in that UFC culture to really understand and really get the like really know what's going on in that sport. Basketball has, you know, several LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Those are like big names. Steph Curry, I would probably put with LeBron right now. But those are big names to where like even people who don't watch basketball at all they know that there there's that recognition there esports i feel like esports to get to that next level needs a superstar so to speak do you agree with that or you feel like i'm a little off base here because this esports is not my specialty this is like i'm just dabbing into the world i want to get to know it a little bit more but i feel like that is how most sports work we need a superstar to really get to that next level of mainstream status yeah i think you're you're spot on you know, I think that there is. So when you think about esports, there is not. If you think about gaming, I would say the person is, is Ninja, mm-hmm. which is probably the, the, the most breakthrough that like your mom may recognize because she mm-hmm. saw him on Ellen or something like that. You know, like that's kind of like he's probably but he's gaming. He's he's Fortnite and, and not necessarily like LeBron James or like the competitive and I don't think necessarily we've had that breakout star yet. And, and it makes a huge, huge difference. And oh, I, for I, sure. The, you know, the, the thing that I will, the analogy that I will make for, for people is like, how many people can you name in swimming? You know, besides like, Michael Phelps, basically. Besides Michael Phelps. And then since Michael Phelps happened, now you know about like Ryan Lochte and now mm-hmm. you know about like a couple of these other guys and like, you know, maybe with one or two other people, but like it was really Michael Phelps. He's the gateway athlete, so to speak. Totally, totally, exactly. So I think you're spot on in the sense that like esports doesn't have a recognizable figure who's out there being an evangelical for the sport. Um, You know, I think esports have, you know, and also esports is kind of like saying sports. So like Mm -hmm. there are people who are leaders in each of these esports, in each of these mini, you know, kind of ecosystems. Um, but they've not really gotten that commercial success where like man on the street will know who they are. So what do you think it'll take for someone to be that that larger than life pop culture figure for esports? What like there's characteristics that you associate with that that notoriety, that larger than life athlete, you know, like Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, like you think golf, especially us growing up as we did, you hear Tiger Woods immediately golf comes to mind. He was, he was just that guy, you know, like even for before LeBron James, you heard MJ, just two initials MJ and you knew Michael Jordan. So I'm like, there are, there's a certain level to it. And what do you think it'll take for an esports player to get to that level? It's interesting. Um, I'm so, sorry. I know I'm throwing you off completely. No, it's, it's great. Like, it's great questions, man. I love it. So, so I think it's a couple of things. I think it's, I think it's the validation of esports being, you know, worthwhile and like exciting. Like, you know, it's hard for the everyday person to relate to esports 
in the way that like we all know, like I know I can't dunk. And so when I see LeBron James fly above the rim, I'm like, oh my God. But like, I don't have that same thing when watching League of Legends or Overwatch mm-hmm. or something like that. So it's hard to relate to. So I think there's always going to be a disconnect between those who game and those who, who, who play that esports specifically sometimes and those who don't. Because there is no universal, we know how hard it is to run or swim or jump. Like, we do in traditional sports. So that will always kind of be a barrier there. Um, but I think what it will take is big time organizations or like colleges having a world championships or a world series of esports or a world, you know, kind of big organization where like Michigan State is playing Ohio State. People will be like, oh, those are big organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, sponsors coming in being like, oh, Toyota is sponsoring this esports tournament. Like that's a big deal. Like those kinds of things. And then I also think like everybody you listed out is like a goat of goats. Yeah, and, for like, sure. You know, like you have to be you have to be great at something for a very long time. And like I was saying, like League of Legends has a couple of those people. There's like there's guys Bjergsen, uh, there's this guy Faker, who's probably the the, the MJ of League of Legends. Mm-hmm. But you know, he is. You just don't know. Like he 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 probably like I'll, I'll look him up right now. Faker's probably got a like a million. A billion million, you know, followers. He's got uh, five hundred thousand followers on Twitter, but like no one knows who he is, and he's the MJ of League of Legends. So, so like, it's just tough, man. It's tough to make those connections. Yeah, it really is. Um, you you brought up a good point there about like sports being so much larger than life in the sense that it's almost we fantasize about it. They're doing things that we can't necessarily do. But do you feel like League of Legends might need we might need to pivot away from that game in general from esports because I don't necessarily know if people look at League of Legends and go like I want to be that guy who can master that game. Perhaps it's the games itself instead of the league is what I'm kind of alluding to here. Yeah, I think games will come and go. Games mm-hmm. will ebb and flow over the years, and I think accessibility is going to be the, the biggest thing. So, you know, one of the things that I see, you know, taking taking place over the next, you know, decades or so is I think Rocket League is going to be the biggest game in the world because I think every single high school and every single middle school is going to have an esports team in the next twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say thirty years, just to give us a little rough. So every single every single one, every single middle school or high school is going to have an esports team in the next twenty to thirty years. And they I hope it happens sooner than that. I, feel like, I some hope it does. faster than others. Yeah. Totally, you know. But like, you know, let's just say thirty years is a good buffer. It's a long mm-hmm. time. But they are going to look at what games are we going to play, and League of Legends is is PC based. Okay. And you need five people playing different roles. Very, very hard. Um, Overwatch, mm-hmm. shooting game, very hard to understand what's going on on the screen. Valorant, first-person shooter, any kind of first-person shooter game is probably going to get mixed as a, a, a middle school, especially a middle school. But you know, most high schools, if they're starting their programs, they're going to start with a non-shooting game. So that they get the administration on board, they get the parents on board, and all. Do that. you think even Splatoon would have a hard time finding? I think any any shooting game. Yes. Oh wow! I think any shooting game is going to have a, a difficulty or more resistance than a non-shooting game. Okay. And okay. so, 
what are you left with? You are left with Rocket. You are left with this game that is free to play, that is universally understandable, that mom and grandma can watch and root for you and know exactly what's going on, and every county board in every middle school and high school across the, 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 the country will approve it. I think that's spot on because a good sport, especially a mainstream sport, needs to be simplistic enough that where like audiences will gravitate to it and understand it on a surface level. They there is minute details and there is like very expert like analysis that you can get out of that. But I feel like uh, for the top level sports, you really just need to have that surface level understanding and then you'll get a whole lot of more people into it. 1,000%. 1,000%. And and everything from just how you view the game in that third-person view, mm-hmm. which is how we view basketball and soccer and more traditional sports. Like, if you look at Overwatch, Overwatch does a lot of first-person view and then switching first-person view to first-person view to my team's first-person view to their team's first-person view. And, like, if you don't know what's going on and know to be able to, oh, that they're switching, you know, who they're switching to, like, I couldn't really understand overwatch until i played and now that i've played it's a beautiful amazing game i i love the dance and i can see it and watch it but i still think it has watchability issues at like a very high level and like even i like who understand what's going on struggle to follow a a broadcast of that game so yeah i think that those things are are absolutely going to point to rocket league being you know to me the biggest sport the biggest esport in the world because it's essentially going to be everybody's intro esport. Whether it like remains that way, like that, you know, that's for time to tell. But I just see that being a trend because I'm the one dealing with county boards. Like I work with Montgomery County Public School System here. I work with Northern Virginia Public Schools. I work with DC Public Schools. I'm having these conversations with all of these administrators, and these are the conversations that we're having. So you know, I'm not just like you know, pulling, you know, just speculating to speculate. These are based on conversations where this is what school boards are willing to approve. So let's elaborate on um, how the conversations with school boards are going. Do do you feel like most modern modern day like schools are more accepting of the esports programs or do you feel like it's been an uphill battle? Do you feel like the, the people in charge actually understand esports very well or do you feel like it is very much... They, you have to introduce esports to them and then also pitch them, you know, like the direction that it's going in. Yeah. I mean, we do a little bit of, a little bit of all of that. Um, but you know, the, 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 the teachers and a lot of the people that we work with are incredibly well intentioned who want to do this and provide this service for their, their kids because the kids have asked for it. And, and they, a lot of times don't necessarily know how. So mm-hmm. a lot of the people that we work with are passionate people who love their students and they're looking to, you know, provide this outlet for them. And so, you know, it's it's done with a lot of love from these teachers. And so, you know, the tough thing about it is that right now the people who approve budgets are, you know, generally older than us. They're probably, oh, yeah, probably like 60, 50, probably, 60, maybe yeah, even 70. 50, 80, you know, mm-hmm. in that range. And they didn't, they didn't grow up in this world, they don't have value. They don't see value in this world. And the other thing that's happening right now is we're going through a recession and, and we're having you know tough financial times. And whenever that happens, 
recreation and, and those things are the first thing that gets cut. Mm -hmm. And generally, you know, I, like even as a parent now, like, you know, I would probably cut my kids gaming private lesson that I'm getting them. Like say they get a weekly private lesson and a weekly music lesson and a weekly uh, basketball lesson. Like I, the, I will probably cut the gaming lesson before I cut the music or the basketball lesson. Yeah. So it's yeah. Just, you know, like that's kind of what, what we're seeing. Um, and so, you know, it's tough for teachers who have, you know, not a whole lot of resources. It's tough for people who have to look at budgets and say, okay, well, our, our whole school is underfunded because we don't pay our teachers enough and we don't mm -hmm. fund our schools enough. You know, that's insane, you know, but like, that's the reality of the situation. And then it's like, okay, cool. We're going to allocate $20,000 or $10,000, even $5,000 sometimes to gaming. And people look at that and they're like, well, how can we justify this? And I understand, like, it makes sense. Like, I, if we can't afford pencils, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have a gaming team. But like, maybe the system's flawed too, you know? But yeah, like, for sure. That's, so that's the part that I'm seeing is, is there's a resource shortage and there's also, um, it's tough to, tough to get people who are higher up to see the value if they've not really been a part of it. Yeah, that's a uphill battle. And hopefully we can get out of that. But I know we're in a recession right now, so it's going to be a little bit of a little bit of a tough adjustment for everyone involved. I have a question for you. Like when you were when, when you were talking, it kind of sparked something deeper in me that I've been wondering about esports. Do you think that esports is almost being held back by the PC aspect of it? You know, imagine if everyone in the classroom are like an esports club all had xboxes and all had playstations where you pc is this ambiguous thing to where everyone knows about pc gaming but there's no face of pc gaming you know like there's no big brand there everyone can build a pc and like there's a whole lot of brands that you could buy but with like consoles there are just three specific consoles for the most part that you can just buy and let's say playstation just sponsors ev or like PlayStation sponsors esports and you have that name recognition, you have that endorsement behind it. It would just it all seems more streamlined. Do you agree or do you think like that's more misguided? Because this is from an outside like outside perspective, keep in mind. Yeah, so so I guess the question is, you know, is is esports driven by these big organizations? Um uh, more so do you think Esports can be, can be propelled by these big organizations such as like uh, Xbox or PlayStation because right now it is very much PC oriented. Do you think yeah. if perhaps it was more console focused, if that would change? Yeah, I think I think accessibility is is huge. You know, the mm -hmm. more people that we can get to play, you know, certain games and 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 especially games that we provide opportunities for, then it's going to be a better world, you know, a better gaming world. Um, what I have seen is that, you know, there's a big difference. You know, Smash is much more of a diverse crowd that you'll mm -hmm. see because the Switch is uh, cheaper and it's meant to be played in your living room with your family and your friends and, you know, uh, a high-powered gaming PC that you play a, a fast pace, a high frame rate, so, like, uh, uh, the, the high-powered gaming PCs are generally used 
for very, very high-end esports, and then, you know, ideally for first-person shooters. So those are the ones where they're sending lots of packets up and down. So, you know, you've got to have a really high-powered machine, lots of cooling fans, because you're, you're working hard to, to send those packets back and forth. And I think that there will always be a place for that high-end gaming, but I think at the community level and the, and the, at the lower level, that's why it's awesome that, you know, Rocket League is available on the Switch. It's free to play on mm-hmm. the Nintendo Switch. And so it yeah. makes it super accessible. That makes sense because I was thinking you were mentioning some of the funding issues that, you know, schools are going to have coming up and that they already have right now. Gaming PCs cost a pretty penny for the most part, especially if you're not building and budgeting here and there or like bargain bin shopping. But an Xbox Series S costs $250. So it's like the price of $250 versus a high end gaming PC. And if you're playing everything but League of Legends, you can still play all those games on that Series S. Yeah, I'm 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 not sure. Is that the new Xbox? Yeah. So okay. So two hundred and fifty dollars seems very cheap for for the new Xbox. I think it's more like like. But but at the end of the day, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter because one, they sell the Xbox at a loss because they don't really care and they know they're going to make money off of the games anyway. But like. The main thing is, you know, for gaming and esports to be more accessible, the, 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 the platforms have to be more accessible. So making something free to play or a console is definitely an opportunity. But the, the, the main thing is that, like, esports should have opportunities for everybody. It mm-hmm. should have opportunities at the community level, at the lower level, at the less competitive level. And there should be a place for that high-end gaming PC as well. The issue that I would say is that if you're an organization starting an esports program, Start a Smash Club. Don't start a League of Legends team. Like, you know, that's the thing because you know Smash gets people together. You, you know, it, it's a community event. Switches are cheap um, versus League of Legends, which is PC based, where you have to have five different playing people playing at five different roles. It's very complex, and you got to deal with internet issues. So, there's you know the the main thing that I want is like. I want people to, to, you know, if you are going to start an esports team, come rap with us. Let me, let's talk it through what your intentions are, what your budget looks like, and we make sure you build the right thing. I don't want people to spend a bunch of money, get burned, or not build the right thing for their community because they didn't ask the right questions. So let's dive deeper into something you just mentioned. How, like, contacting you, um, advice for starting an esports team. How does that work? Yeah, my email is joshgamegym.com. Shoot me an email. I'd be happy to wrap with you if you're a parent, uh, if you're a kid. Um, you know, I think that, that it's one of the, the great joys that I that I have and is wrapping with people about esports and helping them out. Um, you can follow and check out uh, our Twitter, uh, Game Gym Esports is our handle across all social, but we're very active on Twitter. And then uh, my Twitter is Extra Barbecue, and uh, you can hit me up there, and, and I'm not too cool but i do post pictures of my cool dog sometimes so one last topic before you go so how do we go about challenging you in a game we want to see how good you are in the sticks so how do we go about getting you on you know what you do you come to super smash con which is not this weekend but it's next weekend in virginia and it's one of the biggest smash events in the world and i will be there with my controller putting up my dukes (laughs) <laughs> come challenge me! Come challenge me there. We're uh, so. Are you um going to be doing any footage there? Or are you going to be like live streaming anything? 
Yeah, we'll be we'll be there. I'm not sure what our our marketing plan is for there, but we Game Gym is a, a proud um, you know supporter of Super Smash Con, which is the largest Smash event and largest Smash competition in the world. Um, and we host the warm up area. So for all the Smashers who um, you know trying to find a place to warm up, we offer setups that are available for 30 to 45 minutes um, right before somebody's set uh, time. So they will. Um, they will, you know, have a setup where they can get some warm up in. We'll have a coach potentially who could warm up with them and uh, and then get them off to their set. So, so uh, very excited about that. So, so people can get like a strong advantage against you going into this. Who do you play as? Um, I play King DDD and I play King <laughs> K Rule. I'm a king okay, okay. So you kings, like, baby. so you like playing with the big boys. <laughs> I'm a big boy. I'm a king, and uh, I like playing with. All right, before you go, any last things you'd like to shout out? Anything, any messages you'd like to send to the audience? No, man, thank you. Thank you for, you know, giving me this platform and letting me talk about this stuff. And, and you know, I hope it was helpful for, for anybody. And if you or anybody else has questions about this, you know, in the future, I'd be happy to help. And, you know, I hope, hope uh, I can point you in the right direction. Josh, thank you so much for being on the show. We enjoyed having you. We can't wait to see you again. Looking forward to it, man. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, Josh. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I just want to remind you that you can get Notable Nerds every single Thursday, and we're going to bring you the dopest guest in the nerd community. If you want to suggest a nerd that you think should be on the show or discuss topics of an episode with others, join us on the Pro Nerd Report Facebook group. Once you're in, go ahead and provide some feedback. The link to join us in the ProNerd Report free Facebook group is in the show notes. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope to catch you every single Thursday. Holla at your boy later. Peace.